0: Thank you, Julia. Good morning, everyone. Grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's good to be in the house of the Lord on the second Sunday of the year. It is Baptism of the Lord Sunday, every single um, second Sunday of the year. And so um, it's good to be here. We've um, already had very exciting service to begin with. We welcomed Lynn into membership and uh, we have baptized that baby doll during the children's sermon so many times that I think we're going to have to just give it a halo and wings um, because it is well on its way to heaven. Um, but it's been, a, it's been a great day already. Um, we're going to learn about baptism, and we're going to start by learning about Jesus' baptism, and that takes place in Matthew chapter 3, if you want to follow along. The, um, the beginning of the story actually um, has John the Baptist speaking, okay? So um, John's baptizing down at the Jordan River, and we pick up in verse 7, and it says, But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who's more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him, saying, John, excuse me, and John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, and when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Almighty and everlasting God, we thank you for our baptism and for our place in your church. We thank you that you connect us all one to another and that you call us your children and that you're even willing to say that with us you are well pleased. Lord, we delight in being called beloved. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. There is power in remembering who you are. Marty Johnson knew that finding his biological father was going to change his life forever, but he wasn't quite prepared for the letter that he received at the end of his search. Johnson was born after a brief affair between two college students. One was an American, the other was an exchange student from Africa, and he was given up for adoption and raised by a family in Minnesota. As an adult, Johnson was happy with his life as a mortgage broker in suburban Minneapolis and really kind of uninterested in finding his birth parents, but his wife and children kept encouraging him to do so. Well, as it turned out, his birth mother found him first, and after that connection was made, he decided to start looking for his biological father. And then came the letter revealing Johnson's father was chief of his village in Nigeria and considered royalty in that part of the world a legitimate Nigerian prince, okay? Um, and as the chief's firstborn son, Johnson was in line to inherit the revered traditional leadership position. So in a male version of the movie, The Princess Diaries, Johnson travels 6,000 miles to meet his family that he had never known. My heart just burst, Johnson said, when he saw his dad for the first time. I walked up stunned and gave him a hug. It was an amazing feeling in my heart. Jason Gay was a writer from GQ who accompanied Marty on his first visit to Abo, the Nigerian village where his father lived. The writer reported, people are dancing in the driveway and there are all these relatives and cousins and uncles and all these people that Marty has never seen in his entire life, treating him as if he is some kind of miracle, Johnson, who had never known any of his blood relatives, met six siblings, his stepmother, aunts, uncles, and cousins. He also visited the school that his grandfather started and met with all the village elders. Johnson is now recognized as the next traditional leader of this village. And when his birth father dies, Johnson will choose a chief name just like his father did. And one day, Johnson's six-year-old son may do the same. My son is like, oh, said mom, uh, Johnson's wife, Laura. And she said, my daughter is so proud to find out that she is a princess, which you can imagine. There is power in remembering who you are. Carlos is a homeless man in Chicago. He's had brain damage, and he can't speak. He's a ward of the state and has lived in a state-run facility for more than 20 years. He uses a wheelchair and wears a helmet to protect him from injuries. And since he can't speak, his normal reaction to people is just to smile and giggle. Giggle and grin. Giggle and grin. That's about all he does. But then on November 29th, 2011, something remarkable happened. One of the staff members went over to his wheelchair and whispered the name Crispin Moreno. You see, the staff at the care facility had discovered his true identity and the fact that that day was his 53rd birthday. And when he heard that name for the first time in years, Carlos stopped grinning and giggling, and instead, big tears of joy ran down his face. Because all of a sudden, he remembered who he was, and he realized that somebody else knew who he was, too. There's power in remembering who you are. So who are you? Maybe you think that who you are is how you look. Have you heard about this am I pretty or ugly video thing that's going around on social media? Teens and preteen girls are posting videos of themselves and asking people to comment, am I pretty or ugly? One of these videos has received 4.5 million views and 114,000 comments. They range, you know, the gamut, from very supportive to absolutely horrible and disgusting. I can't imagine what that is doing to these girls' self-image. A new study shows that beauty is a $160 billion global industry, Women in Manhattan are having surgery to shorten their toes so they can wear stiletto heels. I want somebody to explain to me how that helps. Um, Women in China are having their shin bones broken and extended with metal rods to make them taller. Women in Asian countries are having their eyes worked on to look more European. In America alone, men are spending billions on plastic surgery, not to mention countless hours in the gym to get those all-important six-pack abs. Now, your health is important. I'm not trying to detract from that at all. But how we actually look, God says we are so much more than that. So who are you? Maybe you think that who you are is what you do, what you accomplish, how you perform, whether you make the grades or earn enough money or receive all the right recognition. Sports Illustrated did a story recently about steroid abuse in professional baseball, they interviewed four young pitchers who had been caught using steroids. One of the pitchers said, they don't care if you have character. They don't care if you ruin your life. They only care about performance. Another one said, I just wanted to get to the major leagues to prove that I could do it. I wasn't in it to win millions. I was just looking for some kind of personal validation." You know, it's heartbreaking to read in the news about students committing suicide because of their grades. One of the most recent was Madison Holloran, who was a track star at the University of Pennsylvania a prestigious Ivy League school. Her first semester at Penn, she had a 3.5 GPA. That was not good enough. And so she jumped off the top of the parking deck. She was 19 years old. Maybe you're working long hours trying to earn more money, trying to excel in sports, trying to make good grades, trying to prove by what you accomplish that you are valuable. Maybe you think that who you are is what you do, but God says something different. So who are you? Maybe you think that who you are is what other people think of you. You have the disease to please. Yep. Now I've gone from preaching to just downright meddling, I know. Your self-image depends on whether or not other people approve of you, whether they accept you, whether they speak well of you, and you're willing to do anything to make people like you. Or maybe you think that who you are is what others have done to you. You've been abused, bullied, shamed, neglected, betrayed, or abandoned. And you look at yourself and think, well, it must be my fault. There's something obviously wrong with me. Maybe you think that's who you are. Worthless. Common name for girls in India is nakushi, which means unwanted. Poor families in India would much rather have boys because they make more money and you don't have to pay for their weddings. So girls are nakushi, unwanted. The government is trying to change that, and recently a central Indian district held a renaming ceremony. 285 girls with the name Nakushi were given beautiful certificates and beautiful new names. Today, God wants to give you a new name. Or maybe it's a name you forgot and you need to remember. 1 John 3 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Listen, who you are is not how you look or what you do, what others think of you or what others have done to you. And who you are is most certainly not worthless. Who you are is a child of God. Carol Fulton is the director of children at Zion Outreach Ministry over in Winston-Salem. She's known throughout Winston because she's always wearing purple, purple Shirt, purple pants, purple shoes, purple sweater. Her checkbook is purple. The cover to her iPad is purple. The pens she writes with are purple. Everything is purple. I saw something on TV about her recently, and the reporter asked her, Carol, what's with all the purple? And she said, purple is the color of royalty, and I am royalty because I am a child of the king. For Carol, purple is a sign of who she is. And today, God is giving you a sign to help you remember who you are. In today's scripture, Jesus presents himself to be baptized. And if baptism is only about washing away sin, you might wonder why would Jesus need to get baptized at all? Well, in one of my favorite movies ever, O Brother, Where Art Thou?, three escaped convicts come across a bunch of people getting baptized down by the river. One of the ex-cons named Delmer gets all excited and he runs to the front of the line out in the river and he gets baptized and Delmer comes out of the water and says, all my sins and transmissions have been washed away. Not transgressions, transmissions. Even that piggly wiggly I knocked over in Yazoo, that's been washed away. And one of the other convicts says, Delmer, I thought you said you was innocent of them charges. To which Delmer replies, well, I lied. And that's been washed away, too. (laughs) If Jesus was without sin, why was he baptized? It's an important question. Because I think it'll help you understand your own baptism. Why was Jesus baptized? Let's look at the last two verses of the story that we read a few minutes ago. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. What we see when Jesus is baptized is identification. He is identified as the Son of God. God says, This is my child. That's who he is. Now we got a lot of disagreement in the greater church around baptism, right? Whether or not um, you can be a baby to be baptized or you have to wait until the age of reason to be an adult to be baptized, whether or not you have to get immersed or if it's okay to be sprinkled. But here's the thing. When we look at the baptism of Jesus, I think we see something that happens at every baptism. I believe that in every baptism, God says, this is my child, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Even if you're a baby, and you have no idea what's going on, or you sleep through the whole thing, God reaches out to you, and God claims you, and you are identified as a child of God. That, that is who you are. In the classic animated film, The Lion King, Simba is a young lion who runs away because he's ashamed. He spends his days hanging out with a meerkat and a warthog singing Hakuna Matata, which means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem-free philosophy, Hakuna Matata. Instead of hunting for prey, Simba turns over logs and he hunts for grubs. But then one day, Simba is made to remember who he really is. He looks into a pool of water, and when he sees himself, he hears his father say in that great James Earl Jones voice, Simba, remember who you are. And Simba remembers that he is the son of the king. Today, we're going to give you a chance to look into the water and remember who you are. Just a minute, I'm going to invite you to come as you feel led. We're not going to do it by rows. The ushers are not going to escort you up. Just as you feel called to do so, to come to the water and to touch the water. You can put it on your forehead, you can make the sign of the cross, um, whatever you like. And if you've never been baptized, let this be a preview of what is to come. If you have mobility issues, let us bring the waters to you. That will be fine. After you remember your baptism, you may feel like you want to kneel and pray to God, remembering who you are. Who you are is not how you look. It's not what you do. It's not what others think of you or what others have done to you. Who you are is most certainly not worthless. Who you are is a child of God. So come to the waters and remember who you are. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to ask you, just as you are sitting there in your seats, to... Remember the questions that we ask people at every baptism. The questions that were asked of you when you professed your faith at confirmation, perhaps. And the questions, rightsful United Methodists, are these. Do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? If so, your answer is, I do. Do you accept the freedom and power that God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Do you? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? Do you? And according to the grace given to you, will you remain faithful members of Christ's holy church? and serve as Christ's representatives in the world. Will you? Then may the Holy Spirit work within you, that being born through water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Remember your baptism and be thankful. Come. Come to the waters. Come remember who you are.